0: This is where we remember truth, to make the world a better place, one person at a time. I'm Claire Lottier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified Life Mastery Consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. We are well into our exploration of what I call inner alchemy our capacity to transform lower, denser, so-called negative energies of the lower self to higher, finer, and more harmonious energies that characterize our higher self. And if you listen to this podcast, then you already have the interest. You may or may not consciously have the intention, but it's there, and therefore the capacity to do this work. And nobody else can do it for us. It's a choice and a decision that puts us on a path for personal and spiritual growth. First, I want to make sure that we're clear that there's no judgment attached to lower or higher energies here. Spiritual growth is never about a denial or condemnation of the negative. It doesn't make us more spiritual to be in a a higher frequency range. We're already spiritual. Nothing can change that. We are spiritual beings in our essence. What we call negative in us is every bit as sacred as the rest of us. And it's helpful to remember that our shadows and darker aspects by their very presence are calling for healing and integration. They're what help us grow. We can only process those energies via unconditional love, acceptance, and surrender by allowing them the space to be seen and held rather than resisted and denied. Once you get the hang of this, even though at first it might seem counterintuitive or even scary, you will access a deep well of compassion within yourself. This is the natural welling up of the energy of the Divine Mother in you, this unconditional love and compassion, no matter what, for whatever is most twisted and distorted within us. There's nothing to shrink from in ourselves, although it may be hard to endure sometimes. We may feel dismay when we have to admit then we have tendencies to selfishness, deceitfulness, jealousy, vanity, anger, self-loathing, narcissism, and so on. But these aspects are not personal. They are qualities of the ego. They're not personal. They don't make you bad. So they belong to the mechanism of the ego, which is a sort of refinement of the animal brain in us, which is elaborated through all of these aspects of our personality that we believe is us. It comes with the territory. When you get a human body, you get a human brain, and the animal brain is still back there as part of the package. We get to transcend those impulses as part of our growth. That is the human opportunity. It's extremely valuable. So try to see it as an advantage without which there would be no point to human existence in its current form it's better not to make another identity out of our shadow aspects and label ourselves with what's just another layer of judgment. Because it's just more ego, right? Better to take an honest, dispassionate look at whatever's going on in there and allow it to just be. The willingness to give the shadows space is already an act of courage, which is of the heart. And once that's there, you've already begun to liberate the energy that was crystallized in an old obsolete pattern. The ice cube begins to melt and become one with the water again. Each week, I've been sharing an alchemical key with you in the form of a short phrase, like a touchstone that you can refer to, and which helps you to let go of what is false in you. Letting go of what is false reveals our true nature, just as the sun shines forth naturally when the clouds disappear. I invite you to work with these phrases contemplatively and let them reveal yourself to you. The first alchemical key was I am responsible. It's an invitation to discover what responsibility means, how it empowers you, and opens the door to humility rather than blame. It's about owning your creation with love and forgiveness. The one who takes responsibility here is the personal self, the one who's navigating time and space and the material world. The second alchemical key is I do not see things as they are it starts to lift the veil of the personal self. It's a reminder that we all have a paradigm, a collection of programs, beliefs, and positionalities that act as a perpetual lens through which we experience life and make our choices. And it's influenced by the totality of all our experiences, in other words, karma, from the moment of our creation to the present. Think about that. It's massive. (laughs) We need to understand that we have programming We have a lot of unexamined assumptions operating. And we have a lot of inner motives that we're not even aware of. And this subconscious material affects every aspect of our life. Being able to admit that we can't see the bigger picture, that we don't understand what's going on deep within us, and that what we can perceive we see in a distorted way, Well, this really helps us cultivate humility, which is a powerful quality for transcending the levels of consciousness. The third alchemical key we explored was encapsulated by the phrase, I create my reality. Now that one, I put forth, as I said, with a wink, as a bit of a provocation, with an emphasis on the fact that this is automatic. You don't win a prize for manifesting, it's happening if you're breathing. And the refinement of this understanding is that actually the personal you is not doing anything. I realize that this may not make sense right now because normally we are so completely identified with the personal sense of self as the focal point of all energy and action. But in fact the ego filters and claims ownership in one ten thousandth of a second for what is actually an automatic unfoldment of potentiality becoming actuality in each moment and then it says I did that it's like taking credit for the blooming of a flower or an apple falling from a tree we are where we are with our current set of results by virtue of what we have become vibrationally the total package which automatically magnetizes our reality as a consequence of the field of consciousness, not of any personal self. The person that we think we are, at the risk of going a little too deep here, actually does not exist. It is only a collection of programs and positionalities held together as an identity. Start to let go of those and you undo the very basis of the ego. Try to sense this. So you can see why when we say I create my reality, it's kind of grandiose. Because in most cases, we're referring to that personal I the little me as the one controlling life. (laughs) So the deeper question is really, who is the I that creates? So this key is an invitation to surrender the personal will and the personal agenda to divinity, divine will, which expresses through us according to our gifts and talents, which are translated into the language of our heart as longing, inspiration, and joyful, enthusiastic action when action is called for. When we're in alignment, that's what happens. And you can think back to moments in your life where where you, you know that, you felt it. The little me can only get in the way of this. So when you work with this key, feel for the I behind the me and you'll start to get a sense of where this is pointing. Let's take the first three keys and look at them together. As an extension of the Creator, I, as the personal self, am responsible for my reality in the sense that it is a consequence of my vibrational interaction with the field of consciousness and filtered through my karmic and perceptual lens. This being true, then I can solve any problem from within. That was our fourth key because the outside is really inside. I shared with you a simple mantra that helps us let go of any subconscious memory or karma that is appearing as a problem in the outside world. And we're going to keep referring to that mantra, which is, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you, as we continue in this series. Finally, in our last episode, we explored our inestimable value with the key, I am already worthy, which points to the natural purity and impeccability of our true nature. This becomes obvious and apparent as we let go and disidentify from the programs and beliefs and positionalities of the personal egoic sense of self. The invitation with this key is to contemplate where you currently derive your sense of worthiness and deserving and who it is in you that is seeking a sense of worth that is already and always inherent. You know, our true nature of purity and perfection doesn't have to be hard to connect to. We tend to think that we have to do something to get there. But there's nothing to do except, except not do. <laughs> our true state is effortless, natural being. Awareness is automatic. To allow ourselves to be fully, completely present Is a vacation from the stresses and worries of life the preoccupations of the personal self we have such an addiction to worry and anxiety and the all-importance of the story of the personal self that we resist letting go of our self-concept even for a few minutes it feels very uncomfortable to do that at first it's the ultimate challenge to the sovereignty of the ego it says this is who you are but think of those first few moments when you wake up in the morning before you're aware of being anyone in particular, you know that moment. <laughs> You're just aware of being. Then the familiar feeling of being yourself rushes in with all its habits and patterns of thought. And we get swept away by the demands of the day is typical, right? But it doesn't mean that we can't practice awareness in the whirlwind of everyday life. That is the real yoga. And today's alchemical key points us to that true contemplative practice that we all can do if we have the willingness. The phrase that I use as a pointer for this one is, I choose to be free. I choose to be free. Well, there's inner freedom and there's outer freedom. We can look at it that way. You can have inner freedom without having outer freedom. But you can't have outer freedom unless you have some degree of inner freedom. Outer freedom might look like being free to go where you choose, to make your own schedule, to provide for your needs without constraint, to vote for your leader, to love whom you love, to express your creativity. It's outer directed. It's the freedom to be as you are and to make your own choices. And the degree to which you experience outer freedom depends on the degree of inner freedom you achieve. Inner freedom is classically called moksha or liberation. It's the knowing that you and your essence are beyond time space and limitation. It's an embodied knowing that you are one with source which supplies all your needs. That means you don't have to get anything from anyone. You don't depend on something external as your source, and you don't twist or distort yourself to get your needs met. You can stand in your truth and be yourself. You are free from craving, wantingness, neediness, which are associated with the belief that the source of happiness and fulfillment is outside of yourself. Freedom, well, it's one of my highest values, but that does not mean I'm embodying it fully yet. I'm working on it. Inner freedom also takes the form of inner spaciousness. It's the space for responsiveness that you have inside free from unconscious reactivity that translates to the freedom to think and feel as you choose regardless of circumstances. And this is really (laughs) you're on the path to mastery with this one It's where the rubber meets the road because you're aware of your reactive personality, but you may or may not get caught. Right, So (laughs) the freer you become, uh, the the more spaciousness you have to respond in alignment with your true nature instead of being in reaction to something um, from your reactive personality. And so then you don't interpret events according to the distortions of perception. You don't make meaning that isn't there. In A Course in Miracles, it says that as we evolve spiritually, we move from perception to vision. In other words, we no longer interpret reality through the distorted lens of perception. We've forgiven ourselves. We've forgiven the world. And by grace, we are granted vision, true seeing, where divinity shines forth from everything and everyone. We see things as they really are, not as we see them. Inner freedom is freedom from the false self and consequent suffering. It doesn't mean you never experience pain, but you don't suffer through attachment or resistance. Being present to your feelings is simply allowing them to be. It's neither suppressing them nor holding on to them. The more we let go of in this way, the more spaciousness we find, and the more we are in that inner spaciousness, no matter what external circumstances we encounter. Many people might see this level of freedom as unattainable and unrealistic, but we know that that's not true. There are many examples of people who have found freedom, moksha, liberation, through the extremity of horrific circumstances where their outer freedom was severely restricted or taken away. I'm thinking of Viktor Frankl, the Holocaust survivor and psychiatrist who wrote Man's Search for Meaning or Nelson Mandela, who found the inner spaciousness to forgive his captors, his jailers, and then become president of the very country that had imprisoned him, both realized that freedom does not depend on external conditions, but on internal conditions. And it was through suffering the extreme restrictions of their outer circumstances that they were able to disidentify from the limitations of the personal self, and that freedom could never be taken away from them. So suffering has a purpose in our evolution up to a point and I'm sure that there are many many people who have understood this that we never even hear about and you listening you may be one who has found a level of inner freedom through some form of outer restriction. It is possible but we resist it because there's a part of us that would rather complain about the limitations and impossibilities in which we find ourselves or interpret them as fate or punishment or feel like the victim life is against us and and favoring other people instead. As with anything, we can project blame onto the outside world, people, systems, and society and succumb to self-pity or inflate into narcissistic entitlement Or we can own our experience of creation, soften our hearts, and let go of all the walls we've built to separate ourselves from others. If we're honest, we can feel that part of us would rather hold on to our resentments and justify them because of the subtle payoff the ego receives from negativity. It juices our anger, self-pity, pride, guilt, and grief, all of that stuff, to stay alive. The truth is there are no justified resentments. There's only a refusal to move forward. I choose to be free. That's our alchemical key in these circumstances. And it becomes very powerful here because it's by my choice, moment to moment, that I can undo negative karma that's showing up in the form of problems, inner conflicts, and even opportunities. So when I say it's, it's by my choice, <laughs> I'm calling upon the spiritual will within me. How I choose to dance with any situation affects the outcome. Will I liberate myself through these circumstances or wall myself in further? I want to tell you about something that came up for me recently and I'm summoning up my courage here because it's easier to talk about things from the past that I'm totally at peace with than it is to talk about things in this space in the present that reveal what I'm currently working through. So right there, that's pride, vanity, the need to present a certain kind of public face or image, self-concept, right? We've talked about that and under that there's the fear of being revealed as an imposter, you know, who I really love and whom I've learned a lot from in this arena is Russell Brand. There's a guy who will undertake a fearless inventory of his psyche in public at about 100 miles an hour. (laughs) So I want to tell you this story because it illustrates the choices that we have to make vis a vis certain temptations and pitfalls that we all have to navigate as we ascend in consciousness. This experience brought me face to face with the alchemical key, I choose to be free. You know, we often teach what we most need to learn. I feel like I'm doing that all the time. And and I often have the experience when I'm focused on a particular um, topic or or, um, angle of teaching that I I'm brought lessons in my own life that reflect that teaching as I need to experience it. Um, and, And I think that's true for a lot of teachers that I know. Um, And that's probably true for you too. So it's something that we can pay attention to. I was recently approached about participating in an independent film about personal growth in the spirit of a movie that you may remember called The Secret. Uh, Full disclosure, I had applied for this opportunity because it seemed like a natural fit. They were looking for people in the world of personal and spiritual growth, speakers, teachers, so on. And it came through my inbox and I thought, hmm, that sounds interesting. They had a couple of Uh, really recognizable names in that world already on board. I filled out the application which involved a good deal of writing and justifying why you would be a good fit and why you're aligned with the project but again it seemed like a no-brainer. I turned it in forgot about it. My attitude is if it's meant to be it'll be. Let the universe put me where I'm supposed to be. Well, a couple months later, I had a message from the production team expressing their interest in having a conversation about my potential participation in the film, which we did. They were very nice, professional, seemed to have integrity, had produced a number of other laureled films in the same vein, but I discovered that they required on-camera participants to invest in the film in exchange for, and I quote, massive exposure. Now, when I was an actor, I was never on the producing end of things. I was strictly on, the camera, on on camera, so I know very little about the producing side of show business. Apparently, this model is known as pay-to-play. And even though initially I was excited, and let's be honest, flattered by the interest, as I reviewed the scenario over a couple of weeks, it made me uneasy. They say they're looking for people who are perfectly aligned with their project, but they also want them to invest. What if someone who's perfectly aligned cannot afford to invest at the level that they would have to? What if someone who isn't perfectly aligned comes along and wants to invest and be in the film as a vanity project? Whoever invests more gets more airtime. Sounds dangerous. Such an arrangement exposes the project to a potential loss of integrity. Such an arrangement is a hook for the spiritual ego. And I found out that I was not immune to that hook. Even though my initial enthusiasm for the project dimmed in the wake of that conversation, I watched as the sly and cunning voice of the ego cloaked itself in altruism and false modesty while appealing to my vanity. How can this not be for the highest good? It said. This is your big break. You'll be famous. That's good because you'll reach more people and help more people. You should find private investors to sponsor you and then you're not paying to appear. It's not about you. It's about spreading an important message of empowerment and helping others. You know, (laughs) that energy can make very compelling arguments using half-truths. I wanted to believe that it was about helping others but I could not shake the feeling that this seductive voice in my head was pumping me up about the possibilities and was all about dissimulating its true motivation which was ego inflation. Be careful here, I said to myself. Be very careful. I took no actions other than to reach out to some people I trust in the film industry and finance. Meanwhile, I tossed and turned like the princess in The Princess and the Pea, because no matter how many arguments were made for why it was okay, no matter how many mattresses I stacked up, I couldn't get comfortable. Now, I want to state that I'm not saying that those filmmakers are wrong or not in integrity. They want to get their film made, and I'm sure that they will. I'm not a fan of the financing model, but I'm not passing judgment on its validity either. I don't know. The situation was an opportunity for me to observe the gyrations of the spiritual ego within myself. Mercifully, I got on the phone with my friends who are amazing independent film producers and directors, and who've known me for years and witnessed the changes in my life and focus. I described the situation, the financing model, and my general state of confusion about whether or not this was right. Now, confusion... Confusion always tells us that the, the, the mind is saying one thing and the heart is saying another. <laughs> and we just don't want to listen, right? So confusion, that's always a clue. Uh, I even asked them if they knew of any private investors who would be interested in such a project. And they said very compassionately, don't do this. We advise against it. It's self-promotion. It's basically a very expensive ad. Well, in one moment, this sober, clear-eyed assessment exposed the true motivations of the ego. Self-promotion. Which self are you promoting? (laughs) Because the true self needs no promotion. Any more than gravity needs your help to keep your feet on the ground. So the promoting must be for someone else. I was flooded by a tremendous sense of relief and rivers of energy flowed from my head to my feet. It was like waking up from a bizarre trance or semi-possessed state. I thanked my friends from the bottom of my heart because whether they realized it or not, they had cut through this confusion and emotional tangle that I was in with the sword of truth. Freed from the energetic spiderweb I had been struggling in, I pondered the temptation that had been presented. And it centered around this question of freedom. The ego always tempts us to look without, outside of ourselves, for everything. In this instance, it was dangling the prize of ultimate freedom by connecting it with fame, money, power, prestige, all the usual traps. Once you have these, you'll finally be free. The ego is separation. And it's at the root of the belief that one is totally alone in the universe and cut off from source. It actually rejects divinity and sets itself up in the place of divinity, (laughs) which uh, entrains a lot of subconscious guilt. So it was at the source of the temptation, saying basically, you can't count on God to take care of you and keep you safe. Look to me for that. Forget about God. Look to fame, money, power, self-promotion. That's how to be safe in this world. These things will set you free. The last place it wants you to look for freedom is inside because as you discover your only true freedom is inward and is found through disidentification from the personal self, the ego disappears. Although there was an awareness of these programs, it was the first time that I really truly let them be okay. And I realized they were not personal, but archetypal expressions of egoic separation. I felt the pain of that separation and allowed it to be I forgave myself for believing another program that these were personal failings and I needed to be ashamed of them or hide them or disown them. And then I felt a new, increased sense of spaciousness, peace, and freedom from illusion. I choose to be free. I choose to allow the mirror of reality to show me the energies in me that are calling for integration this experience reflected a buried inner conflict about whether I fully trust my vibration and everything I teach. It was amazing to discover what the situation was really about for me. It wasn't about the movie or their investment model or whether something is right or wrong, nor am I judging self-promotion or advertising. What's right for me with where I am in my evolution and how I express what I am in the world, that might not be right for someone else. And what's right for someone else might not be right for me. There's no need to judge the situation or the people. And it would be foolish to do so because both are multifaceted, (laughs) right? I do not see things as they are. I see them as I am through the lens of my perception. And that would be focusing on the wrong thing. Instead, we can focus on what any given situation brings up in us. What inner conflict is unearthed and what paradox can be resolved. True freedom is freedom from identification with what is not real. It is the spaciousness of our true nature, which reveals itself naturally as we let go of the false. Every situation we encounter in life offers the opportunity to choose freedom from or enslavement to the programs, beliefs and positionalities of the ego. But it is a choice. And only you can make it. This week, when you're faced with a situation you would ordinarily judge as unwanted or problematic, from something minor like having to wait in line or being stuck in traffic to a disappointment or a setback or a situation that causes real fear, pay attention to the dimming of your aliveness that occurs when negativity takes over and you find yourself complaining and resisting what is. Then realize the opportunity you have here and choose to be free. I choose to be free from the habitual reaction that I could have to this situation, a reaction I've had a thousand times and which is actually maybe expected or socially sanctioned. This is just the ego strengthening itself, feeding on the energy of negativity. Do I want to be enslaved to that? Or do I want to be free? I choose to be free. I let go of any reaction and I choose to be present to whatever is happening right now in me. And then tune into your aliveness again. Freedom is not dependent on circumstances. It is a choice, and every single one of us has the capacity to choose to be free. It's not out there. It's in here. Thank you for spending this time with me. I'll see you next time. Meanwhile, walk in grace. Thank you for joining me in the grace space, where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.